0: We just wanna that, Up. Look what I'm whipping up! This is America. Don't got you slipping
1: up. Lift every voice and sing to the. We sing the rising sun of our new day, because march on till
2: victory
3: is won. What's the tip? Here we What's the tip? I
4: know you got no! When I think of Black History Month, I, I go back to, to Negro History Week when... Another a black African-American young man decided that our history was something to be celebrated, and that expanded into a month. So in this month, I just recognize everybody that came before me and what I can do so the people that come after me have someone to look up to as well. It's just been an inspirational month. to to me to remember that I'm bigger than myself. I'm my heritage and I have a responsibility to not only myself, but the youth and my culture to not only celebrate us, but to elevate us to something bigger than what I found it.
5: The significance of black history is simply who I am and what my ancestors have done so that I can be in the position that I'm in now. It reminds me, I learned this word about two years ago, Sankofa, we're looking back at, you know, and not forgetting, not forgetting where we've come from, but taking those tools and taking those gems so that we can move forward and walk into the world with those pieces of of gold, because that's what black is, I think. The significance of it's significant because it's who I am.
6: To me, Black History Month is a celebration. It's a celebration of of our culture, from the culture, from black Twitter to George Washington Carver. Like, I think that all measures of our existence should be celebrated because we truly weren't supposed to be here in this position as black people.
7: So the significance of black history to me is everything because it's my history, you know, as a black woman. It's important to to learn, you know, about inventions created by black people that you didn't know about. What most about Black History Month is, you know, becoming educated about things that you didn't already know regarding black history. It's everything. It's so important to know where you came from in order to have an idea of where you're going and, you know, of what your dreams are.
2: Black history is significant to me because it just displays like the pride and purpose of my people, of where I came from and who was before me, the generations before me, my ancestors, the people that like basically paved the way for me to be able to say, like, I can do anything. I can do anything I wanna do. I can be anybody I wanna be if I put the time and effort in and I can never be tricked out of my spot ever. Um, whether it be learning about black history and books or just in the library, in class, or online, I just always feel excited, and I just am so appreciative of the people that, again, have paved the way for me. And, Black history shows strength. Like, we prevail in times that most people were crumbling. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Spiff, and it is another episode of What's the
3: Tip? 2.4, so. As you can tell, this episode is about Black History Month. Of course, what else? And yes, I'm giving it to you on the last day, so I can give you an abundance of Black History love. The significance of it is—it's like a combination of what all those beautiful Black people said before. It's everything. It's—it's it's pride and purpose of my people. It's learning the uh, the history. It's. A way to being able to celebrate and elevate being black on all levels, on all platforms. Like Dante said, from black, we gotta celebrate black history from black Twitter all the way to all the greats who came before us. Like, someone who paved the way for me to even be able to have a radio show and even fathom the idea of being a a radio host is Jack L. Cooper, who was one of the first... Um, black radio announcers who produced and hosted his own show in the 1940s. You know, and his radio show thrived because back then, and like around the 1920s, radio was starting to like be popular, and only a few hours was designated to black programming for black audiences. But what people back then didn't know, like black people were the main people listening to the radio back then. Like, we were the listeners. Like, so even if you had, when there was majority white shows on there, we were still listening, even though we was probably waiting to get to them few hours where our our people was speaking. But, you know, we were still the main ones. Like, we helped, helped it become what it was, you know? And Jack L. Cooper, like, paved the way because he started... From having a few hours to moving so far up to end up having his own radio show. That was unheard of back then. Who would have thought? To just touch base on everything that they said, like, Robbie said it perfectly when she said to celebrate and elevate our people, especially during this, this month, is everything because it started from a week and we got 28 days. And a lot of times I hear people saying, like, Oh, it's only we we should have got a month that had 31 days in it, not just 28. But if you think about it, the month of February is, is not only a significant month of the year because it's Black History Month, but it's Valentine's Day, even though it's based off something different. But that's still something that brings a certain amount of love during this time of the year. And it's the only month out of 12 months that is 28 days like because black people are unique, we got the most unique month of the year. Like look at it like that, you know? Like how I'm taking this African American studies class right now and I'm learning about the family dynamic within the black family and it's making me have to read about, you know, slavery and the family dynamic there and then how it transitioned through through time, through the emancipation and through civil rights and in today. And even how the government has inflicted certain things in the media as well as in the courthouses and stuff that tried to push black people so far behind everyone else, yet we continue to thrive and just shine so bright, you know? Because you know when the sun come out, melanin be, just be popping, just be glowing. You ain't even got to have lotion on and your melanin gonna pop, you know? So it's like if slaves can keep their family dynamics whole and not take on the westerner's way of how a family dynamic should be like we could look at having the shortest month of the year as black history month as a bigger blessing because remember we went we came from a week to 28 days that's that's progress you feel me we went from 43 white presidents to now we had a Forty-fourth black president and now everybody gonna remember FoDifo, okay? Cause he's still my president as far as I know. We always push through. That's the significance to me is I can look back in the past and not be sad, but harp on it and be proud and be even more boastful to raise my fist in the air and wear my hair natural in a predominantly white business. You know, it just it just brings out so much magic to me. Being black is not only a privilege, but it's a blessing. I wouldn't want to be anything else. And a lot of people be like, well, of course you would like nah. like I wouldn't want to be any other race. I would never even want to conform to be anything other than African-American, wholeheartedly black. I love that Dante said we got to celebrate Black History Month from black Twitter all the way to George Washington Carver. Like every ounce of blackness, we got to celebrate it. And I'm all for it. You know, Martine said it very well is like being black and especially at this time of the month is we know we can never be tricked out of our spots you know, and being able to learn about our history and know what they we our people have overcome, it can only just make us excited and even more appreciative. You know, Marty, you dropped a gem when you said our strength prevailed in times when most people would crumble. We prevailed. Those are all the many ways that Black History Month is significant to me because being black is everything. I take pride in and checking that box when I fill out applications or when I took SATs and stuff like that, circling that bubble, I don't I don't want to opt out and say other just to trick whoever it is on the other side of that paper. Like, no. Nah, You're going to know who this is. You're going to know which tif- what color this Tiffany is, despite what my name may say. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a very inclusive person. So, yes, this episode is all about black history, but at the same time, everyone who has who has a culture that the Westerners try to water down and sw- and switch up into the ways they thought it should be, celebrate your culture every single day, not just on the given month or given day it's put on the calendar to celebrate it. Celebrate your culture wholeheartedly in everything you do, in every day you wake up and you smell this air. Celebrate your culture. And that can be done in so many ways and with that being said i'm gonna get y'all into some tunage, you know so yeah don't go nowhere do not close that browser okay or do not close the app or whatever you're listening on just stay right there
1: this nation was founded by men of many nations and backgrounds it was founded on the principle that all men are created equal and that the rights of every man are diminished when the rights of one man are threatened. One, two, three, four. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many Of you dying, you know we've got to find a way to bring some love.
6: time i experienced racism the first time i experienced racism was in the third grade i had actually transferred from a school in south central los angeles to a school in rancho Palos verdes and the culture shock was real heavy uh i was a, i was in line at the water fountain and a kid told me get back get to the back of the line nigger and there were a lot of times like this but that's the first time i remember where somebody called me the n-word and and I couldn't really do anything because in that setting, you know, if you do fight back, you're suspended. Or if you do fight back, you know, sticks and stones is what you're told. Sticks and stones may break your your bones, but words will never hurt you. But those words, like I still remember those words exactly to that day. I still remember in high school where I almost got suspended after getting into a fight. and, And yeah, racism is just very, very prevalent in any type of setting, especially school
5: my first memorable experience of racism my first job one of my coworkers embarrassed me in front of an entire live studio audience and they said something in regards to my hair and i really felt like i was at a zoo and i felt like i was the exhibit and it hurt me to my core and i couldn't even cry because I was just so distraught. And so, like, it just caught me way out of the way. I'm like, dog, like, did you just say that? Like, did you just really say that? And I'm light-skinned, so I'm about to be turning red, and it's about to be real embarrassing. Um, And I'm going to move on from this, but you will know how you make me feel. We had a long conversation, and he didn't even recognize that, quote-unquote, didn't even recognize that what he said was racist. But, oh, man, that... (sighs) I'll never
8: forget that. Um, The first time that I ever experienced racism, I would have to say, um, is I was in the mall uh, and I walked out. And apparently there had been a black male who fit the description of the clothes that I had on. And because I fit that description, um, the police had detained me. I can't recall right now at the moment whether or not I had handcuffs on me or not, but um, I was black. I fit the profile, you know, and and they detained me thinking that I was that person who had walked out of the mall committing whatever crime that was committed. It was different. Um, Luckily, I know how to handle myself when it comes to uh, the police. You know what I mean? I don't flare up saying, hey, you doing this because I'm black. I may be thinking it, but, you know, it's never the appropriate time to get out of character when you are involved in such situations unless Uh, it requires you to do so um, and you're fighting. The
2: most racially motivated situation I've been in was when I worked at a retail store and I had a Middle Eastern gentleman tell me that my Oakland mentality was not needed in a predominantly European store. I was really offended, but he really was just embarrassing himself because I was calm and I wasn't rude to him or anything. He just felt that sense of entitlement. And so that was, that was a lot. It was a lot to, to deal with, to process at that time, but I got it together and I did what I needed to do. And I just, I just walked.
4: This question is, is so crazy and beyond me because I had never really experienced racism or anything that I can really remember. Um, I can't say that I, I I didn't go through anything, but I've never experienced Racism into the MAGA whole fiasco. Um, I was in San Francisco going to a subway line. I go every day. Um, I think this was in, I don't know, 2014, something like that. I don't remember um, the date. It might have been 2016, to be honest. But going through the subway line, getting my usual sandwich, and this white lady, I'm not sure what I did. I might have, I think I dropped a quarter. I don't remember what it was, but... She called me a nigger and she spit on me. Um, I Still to this day I have no idea why she did that, but that's my most memorable time for sure. Um, It just shows how much we have to grow in this country.
3: The first time I've ever dealt with racism was when I first started working in retail. Um prior to that, I grew up in um the bay area, so I was always in a diverse school and so I've always seen the world and the people around me with color. I never really like i I knew about the civil rights movement and everything, but i've never I never personally experienced it, so I was detached in a way from racism until I was an adult and entered the working world and one of my first jobs was um, a sales associate at Nike in San Francisco where you know it's a lot of tourists that come through there a lot of rich people all types of people come through there and I remember I was working at the women's running wall where most of the time it's like wealthy white women or tourists coming in there buying up hella shoes and workout clothes just to be cute you know, not even a workout, but, you know, so they're very particular in what they want. And being that being my first job, you know, I was a very I'm I was more blunt than I am today. So on this one particular day, I was helping a bunch of customers it was really busy. And it was me and another coworker of mine who was white. She was a white girl um, and very she was like not a personal person. So she was new to you know having to be social and talk to people and help people so i was there to help her get more comfortable so i'm basically helping everybody while she's basically just running shoes and you know picking up shoes that people aren't wearing or buying and this white woman they were talking to my coworker and being so nice and bubbly with her and they ordered some shoes with her and while i was helping some other people She went either to the back or somewhere. She was not there. So then I was the only person there. And I was cleaning up behind the other people that were leaving, which left only those two women sitting there waiting for their sneakers. So their sneakers came down the tube. So I took them out and I put them in front of them. And, like, I opened, put one shoe on top of the box, unlaced it a little bit, and was like, here you go. Let me know if you need anything else. And the ladies proceeded to stare at the shoes. And as I walked, you know, a little ways away to, like, push a bench back together or pick up a hanger or something, the lady snaps at me, like, as if she's trying to get my attention. I don't respond to nobody snapping at me. I don't care where I am. So I ignored it initially because that's just something in me that I just refuse to respond to because I'm not nobody's butler or nothing. Like, you can say, excuse me, miss, you know? So I initially ignored it, and then the lady... And her friend continued to be like, um, excuse you. <laughs> and I was, I turned, I'm like, do you need some help? She's like, um, yes, uh, you just sat the shoes in front of us. And I was like, yeah, you know, I put each one pair of each uh, color out for you. So you guys can like try it on, look in the mirror, see which color you like best. And she was like, um, I have sandals on. So can you help me put the shoe on? Mind y'all, these are grown ass women. With able-bodied hands and feet, and they're running shoes, boo. Like, I didn't even need to unlace it because they're new, so you could literally just slip your foot in it. At that time, I did not know how to not wear my what I was thinking on my face, so I probably looked at her like, "Bitch, what did you just ask me?" And I was like, "Um, I can unlace it a little bit more for you if it's hard to get on." And so when I bent down to unlace the shoe more, she puts her, she pokes her foot out as if I'm, as if she was a toddler and I'm bending down to tie a toddler's shoe. I just hand her the shoe. I'm not about to put a grown ass woman who is not handicapped shoe on her. So I just handed it to her. I was like, oh, here you go. And she like proceeded. Mind you, I wish I could show you this, but like the shoe was dangling midair in my hand as I'm trying to hand it to her hand, but she tries to put her foot in it. And so I dropped it, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You could handle that yourself. There you go. And I walk, and I get up, and I just walk out of the area, and luckily my coworker came back, and she continued to help them. And she continued to help them. Their whole tone and body language immediately changed. They were like, oh, thank you for ordering the shoes. Like, these colors are great. Um... We love them, like, we're going to get them. Like, can you help us find some matching tops and stuff for it? Like, super bubbly, super nice. But I was getting, like, the monotone, the rude, the just disrespect. I ended up going on my break after that because I told my manager. I ended up going on break after that because I, I knew what was happening. But because I had never really faced a situation like that straight on, I felt like I was all over the place. Like, I wanted to, like... Cuss them out at the same time. I was really just baffled that they had the nerve to even talk to me like that when they could see who was working harder that whole time. And like working there, like I've always dealt with rude customers, and I thought it was just because it was. San Francisco and you know that's just tourists and whatever and this is my first time really working in retail so I'm still learning a lot so when I came back from my break my manager pulled me to the side and he was like Tiffany did you help two elderly women and at the time I don't know if you guys been in the Nike town in San Francisco before they remodeled it it had a big like hole in the middle of the store so you could be on any I was on the fourth floor so you could be on any floor and look over the rail and see who's at the register at the main floor and the ladies were at the main floor and um the person who was checking them out he was a Filipino young man and i could see by their body language and by my coworker's face that they were being rude to him too but as i'm watching this my manager's in my ear like Tiffany um those young those women came up to me and told me that you were really rude and you refused to help them <clears throat> you threw their shoes down in front of them and he was like You know, that doesn't sound like you, so what really happened? And I proceeded to tell him, like, what's-her-name helped them initially, but she went on her break, so I took over the shoes and gave them to them. The lady wanted me to put it on her. You know I'm not putting nobody's shoes on them unless they're handicapped or a child. And he was just like, okay. And mind you, my manager at the time was a Filipino man himself. So he's a person of color. Um, And he was like, okay, that makes... A lot of sense and i was like can i know exactly what they said and he was like for your benefit i don't want to go in detail just know that they had a lot of things to say about you and your service as well as your your attire at that time my hair was blow dried and if y'all know me i would just blow dry my hair and throw a headband on and just let my hair be wild and free And they proceeded to tell my manager that the way that I decided to come to work was unprofessional. And if I wanted people to respect me in any job, I should come looking presentable. There's no boogers on my face. My glasses aren't broken. I don't smell like smoke. Like I was fully as presentable, you feel me? So it's because they were, you know, some entitled ass white women. So that was my very first time experienced racism in, in a direct way and also as a social construct because my manager even, knowing that he's a Filipino man, he knew what they were saying was wrong. But because, you know, he's a manager and he has to make sure that the customer feels right, and, you know, his employees are doing what they're supposed to do to get good customer reviews, he kind of conformed for a moment himself in how he tried to direct me to deal with these situations moving forward, because his advice was, you know, in situations like that, just go along with it, smile, and, you know, shake it off later. But I'm like, no, because then I'm downplaying my morals and my values and my integrity as a, a Black woman, just because I'm Black- and you're white. I'm supposed to get on my knees and do what you say? Nah, bro. We in a we in a new century. Like I don't have time for that. So yeah, that was my first experience <laughs> dealing with racism, and it's really it just just the the idea of racism it just baffles my mind that it's so many people out there that are so ignorant with hate and disgust towards a whole another race of people. When, one, the history of race and racialization was a social construct construct built up by the Westerners. By all those people that wrote Manifest Destiny and the Bill of Rights. All those people created race. Before, it was just Native Americans and Africans and Asians and colonizers, you know. But when they came and take, took over people's land... They decided to make, create this word of race to describe all of us who are different from them. Because they thought that we didn't know, we were confused about our culture and our history and what we were supposed to be doing. And they thought, and based on the manifest destiny, that God told them that they were the chosen ones to be in this country and have our land. And that baffles me because I'm like, what God was they talking to? Because... um I don't think he told y'all to go sell seas and, and go take people from places and bring them other places and move people out of their places and just redesign their whole shit. Like, I don't think God told nobody to do that. Racism is just a social construct that needs to continuously be broken down every single day by everyone who's not a colonizer. <laughs> I mean, and there's some good colonizers out there. Let me, let me stop calling people. White people colonized, and I'm mainly talking to those racists because, and this brings me to like I just watched a real episode yesterday, and it's called Hate in Hip Hop, and basically real is a nurse practitioner in the show, and he had to help um, this white racist guy, and the guy was getting like a tumor removed or something, and then during surgery he lost a lot of blood, and he was O positive or O negative, and real matched had the same blood. As him, which is rare, I feel like, oh, negative or positive blood is rare blood. So the fact that he had it, so he gave him blood on the spot. And then the nurse told him, and he, like, freaked out, like, drain me, take all this blood out of me, I don't want your black blood in my body. And so we fast forward to bro telling his dad, who in the show is Sinbad, and Sinbad was like, because prior to that, Ro told his dad, like, ah, I got to deal with this racist ass guy. And I just, you know, and his dad is telling him, like, sabotage him, you know, pee in his jello cup and, you know, lock him in the closet or something. Like, just sabotage him. And Rowe was like, no, I'm going to show him, you know, because I got this job, this is my job. I'm, a, I'm not going to damage my job just because he racist. I'm going to do my job to the best ability to make him change his mind. So when Ro went back, you know, and the guy did that, his dad was like, what? He was like, you, you, he was like, you outdone yourself. He was like, I would have never thought you put your black blood in a white racist. Which to me was so funny because any racist like that truly believes that they are the superior ones have black blood flowing through their body. You know how much I would be happy like you. They would live literally be miserable for the rest of their lives. And then they might kill themselves. Some to the extreme. So then that's one less racist in the world. I know that was a bit, that was a bit drastic. But hey, you know, they drastic for thinking the way they do. You know, so why can't I be a little, a little imaginative? Um, but then Marelle went back. The guy apologized and was like, "You're one of the good ones." And he was like, "Excuse me, like." I'm one of the good ones. He's like, yeah, you're educated, you're well-spoken, you know, you're caring, you're giving, you know, you're not living off government assistance. But come to find out, the man, the white man, was unemployed for three years because he was a high school dropout, no college degree, um, and he was living off Obamacare and welfare and had the, the nerve to say, you guys are taking all of our jobs. All of, And Rell was like, all of us educated, hardworking, black people are taking all you lazy white supremacist jobs? Interesting. Because if you were qualified, you would have got the job. But you're so caught up in white power that you can't see the truth and right what's right in front of you. And then he left on, like, Obama paying your bills. So sleep on that. And that episode was just so gratifying just to see how Rell handled himself against those races because it's always whenever us black people are faced with a racist situation, our minds and our, our tempers and everything in us immediately want to like snap and slap the fuck out of someone. But we always have to be the bigger person. We always have to poke our chest out even higher and stand up even taller and, you know, really read someone for their filth in the most articulate and intellectual and matter-of-fact of of a way so that you leave them not only dumbfounded but stuck, having a question, hopefully question, like, what they really are believing in anyway. To touch base on everything everyone just said, it's like everyone handled their situations with race being the bigger person. Like, Robbie got spit on. Let... See, that's one situation I would not have been the bigger person because I would have slapped the dog shit out of that lady. Like, on everything I love. Like, if any racist ever spit at me, I would slap the sh- spit out of them. Like, and then, yes, they would probably be getting the reaction they wanted out of me, but they also would know by the not having the taste in their mouth no more that you ain't ever going to spit at nobody. Because if anybody should be spending that, anybody, if anybody should be enslaving anybody, it should be us doing that to the Westerners. You feel me? All these MAGA people. Because without without us, without Native Americans, without, without African Americans, without Asian Americans, without all these other races, they would have nothing if you really think about it. Because everything they've had, they took from what we had and flipped it and dipped it and remixed it in whatever kind of way to get all these laws and whatever. So, you know, the world had has gone from a really ugly place to a place with a facelift and we're kind of getting better, but there's still so much progress that needs to be made. And the next couple of songs you guys are going to hear are prevalent songs in black history because that were sung by artists and written by artists who saw what was going on in the world and used their platform to relay a message. So you got, what I have coming up is what's going on. Well, you heard what's going on by Marvin Gaye, where a lot of his words were, you know, to make people aware of what's going on in the world, you know, um, and then what I have coming up is James Brown, I'm Black and I'm Proud, every single day, you know. James Brown came out with that song at a prevalent time of a lot of hate and turmoil in the world. And not only did his music bring people together, it also helped people let their voices be heard a little louder than they were before. Um And another song that I have playing after that is Melanin by Secret. Like, you know, I just love that song because it's like, uh huh, I got melanin. Anyway, I'm gonna let y'all enjoy these tunes. Don't go nowhere. And we will be coming back. And we're gonna tell you guys why we celebrate being black.
0: we get what we deserve we've been built and we've been gone we've been treated bad. talked about as sure as you bone just as you as it takes you eyes to make a pair <laughs> brother we can't quit until we get our share We're tired of
5: beating our head against the wall and working with someone else. Say uh, We get it from my mama, We get it from my mama, my We get it from my mama. my mama We get it from my mama. From my, mama. From my, mama. From my mama. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I got melanin. Oh yeah. Oh, I got melanin, melanin. You bet. You bet. we got melanin. melanin, 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 ah ha, I got melanin, melanin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got melanin, melanin. You bet. melanin.
3: we got melanin. melanin. And we're back, I hope you enjoyed those tunes. So how I celebrate being Black is, I have a long list of ways I do that, is by being an apologetic with who I am every single day. That's, you know, staying true to myself in, the, in my most natural state, wearing my natural hair and being proud that I have this beautiful strand of hair growing from my scalp and loving it and helping it thrive. As well as making sure I'm using my platform to showcase uh, my culture's essence in every single way that I possibly can by creating this episode and you know, making people more aware of the history of this country so that you can better understand race as a whole and not just, you know, from a black person's perspective or Asian person's perspective or a white person's perspective, but understanding the history of it so that you can further move forward to break it down and make it non existent, you know? Because um, race honestly doesn't matter. Like, I have friends of all different colors, and never once have, if we've ever gotten in a disagreement, I blame it on their ethnicity. That means nothing. Another way I celebrate being Black is correcting ignorant racism when I witness it, when I see it, when people bring up a stereotype like, oh, I didn't know your hair could get that curly. Boo-boo. My hair can do a lot of things that yours cannot, you know? Like, just correcting wrongs in the right situation. Constantly uplifting my people in every way, shape, or form, supporting Black actresses and actors and um, pianoists. Like, everyone in my culture just celebrating and uplifting them. You know, breaking cycles of oppression and stereotypes by simply just being unique and proudly Black and learning about the true history of my people and their resilience and where they've they've came from and where they've gone and all the things we've accomplished. This month really constantly just reminds me of how how magical being Black really is. Like, there was so many odds against us and we've always overcome and prevailed, no matter what. I also celebrate being Black by setting examples for the youth behind me, you know, letting them know it's okay to be who you are, but also it's not okay to fall in these media traps and these consumer traps that society is trying to put us in as a people, the people coming up behind me that there are so many different ways to be black that you don't have to do what the media and society is telling you. You could be black in whatever way you want to be. If that's you know, being eccentric and wearing kunta cloths and being as natural as can be, do it. If it penetrating the media and showing them that, you know, black girls can be news anchors and political activists and strong women in the athletic field, then do that. Because we need people letting the youth know that we have to continue to raise the bar for our people. Those are all the ways that I celebrate being Black. You are going to now hear all the other ways other people celebrate being Black and what just being
8: Black means to them. I celebrate being Black by just really taking pride in that. Um, Black people, in my opinion, we've had a lot of doubt against us. It took years for us to see the first Black president. It took years for things to not be segregated. It took years for, you know, black people to own their own businesses, own their own lands. So I celebrate being black every day by being able to work hard and achieve things that once upon a time we weren't allowed to uh, achieve. Black people have been oppressed and we still are to a degree, but not as much as before. But uh, I, I, I celebrate being black every day by going out there to just go get it. I
2: celebrate being black every day by holding my head high, and I never, ever apologize for being comfortable in my space, as well as being comfortable in who I am. I'm never apologizing for my black blackness. I would never let anybody make me minimize my blackness so that they're comfortable. I just wouldn't ever do that.
3: Black every day by being confident in who I am and supporting those who look like me.
6: I celebrate being black every day by by simply being myself, simply existing and simply, you know, not holding back who I am and truly being me.
5: I celebrate being black every day by loving every inch of me and loving every inch of my brothers and sisters. I think now we're in a time of really loving on each other more than we ever have or like we should be doing um on a day-to-day basis. So I'm I'm all here for the hey sis, I'm all here for the hey bro or hey brother like hey sis like I'm I'm all here for every second of that. <laughs> and so I think that's just us I celebrate it by loving on it every day in every way that I can lifting people up, looking myself in the mirror, loving me and my skin tone and my hair and just who I am and what traits I possess as a Black woman in America.
4: I celebrate being Black every day by giving every day my all, Um, never taking one moment, one blessing for granted because I am laying down the path for that African-American brother or sister that comes after me. So I think that the greatest celebration of being Black is making something of yourself, for sure. Um, And I think that's definitely what I do on a day-to-day to to celebrate myself and my heritage.
7: I celebrate being Black every day really by just appreciating what makes me different as far as being a Black woman. Um, I appreciate, whether that be appreciating my hair texture, appreciating my skin complexion, appreciating my wide nose and my full lips, um it's ironic how for so long black women were made to feel less than to be insecure about these features but now they are so celebrated and i think that that alone should give you that sense of confidence to really love yourself and appreciate what it what it means to to be black
3: Alright y'all, it's time to educate you. So, some words that you probably don't know the true definition of, um, because, you know, I didn't even know the true definition of it until I started taking um, these classes that I'm currently enrolled in, which are making me really dive into the history of African American culture and Asian American culture and how how it began, where it came from, and how America put a like constructed a lot of that is why society is the way that it is so first word is racialization <laughs> racialization which is an un, un, an uncritical understanding of race as something natural biological and written in our DNA that was a definition created by a westerner race is a human invention System of it's a system of classifying humans based on superficial physical differences assumed to be biologically determined meaning by being born black or being born Asian or being born Latina or Latino that is What like our hair and our teeth and all that is based off of our race So they say it was so racist was socially produced politically produced um like things like the manifest destiny and and the bill of rights were all created based off because they believed that god told them they were the privileged um race so that that's why they felt the need to inflict all you know all the things they did on black people slaves and immigrants who came over here from their countries so yeah but I also wanted to dive into the topic of black women versus black men and I don't even want to use the word versus but I read an article called the myth of black matriarchy and excuse me if I pronounced that wrong but it basically talked about black matriarchy which exists in which decisions making and family powers responsibilities rest with rim- women and not men and that's because black women they were always they were the glue to the family so in the slave days the men were the ones they the, the mothers and the fathers both had to pick cotton but most of the time like the men were working longer days than the women because the women picked cotton and they went home and took care of the kids and fed them in the family <clears throat> But when times changed and we got out of slavery, the black woman was still the hardest working person in, in black culture. Black woman also was has the lowest earnings of all races and both genders. Um, they have the double burden of minority status. Because not only are we a black person, but we're a black woman. And what the Westerners believed is that men are supposed to be the, the powerful ones, the breadwinners. The gluta holds the family together, but in reality, it's the woman, you know? And in black families, it's the black woman. Um, because, you know, if you think about it, black women would go raise other people's babies, be these white babies, and then they'd come home and continue to raise theirs. A lot of the time, missing out on their kids and causing, and which caused resentment within their kids or within their husbands. Which, in return, would emasculate the husband and created this like divide within the black culture of men trying to regain their masculinity against the black woman that's why and if you see in a lot of movies or if you read a lot of historical facts and even black men it was more it's more showcased that black men would beat their their wives and things to gain that type of power whereas they didn't need to do that they just needed to work together And to build up their family as a whole, and it led to a lot of stereotypes. It definitely led to intense black male chauvinism, which was the way men tried to like tie their masculinity with family roles and expectations, and it it allowed you know society to look at the black man as masculine, but they also, it allowed them to link it with violence and bad behavior, which trickled to, you know, so many stereotypes of the black man that they can't succeed and they're not smart. They're just made to be strong and protect us. But no, they can have feelings, they have feelings too. And it also led to men having to, black men having to internalize Things and assumptions of gender roles which even still to this day I have conversations with black men in my family or just black men friends of mine who still have this like sexist view of men and women whereas if you think about it black women do have to work twice as hard as a black man because one women aren't viewed as being intellectual without the emotions tying into it so the black woman not only has to be smarter than everybody and work harder than everybody but she has to control her emotions better emotions better than everybody and be the bigger person even with the black man so i'm not going to keep going too too deep on that cuz this episode is already going a little long but just think about that you know really think about race and ethnicity and what that and how that has been defined throughout your life, what that means to you. And also, if you are a black woman or a black man, really sit and think about how you view the opposite sex in your race. Really think about it, because it's gonna strike up a conversation in your head. And then ask someone, if you're a black woman, ask a black man, how do you really feel about the black woman? And Kind of try to leave your emotions out of it, even though I know it's hard. Because even learning all this stuff and then having discussions with people in classes and things, I realized that so much of these social constructs are embedded in people's mind that they can't even wrap their head around Erase the, erasing all these constructs that you've led, been led to believe and creating new beliefs. And to me, this is all food for thought. Because I, I grew up in a really dysfunctional black family and learning all this of just black family dynamics and my black, along with my black history on all forms, shapes and fashions. It's really making me dissect gender roles in my family and social roles in my family because my family is predominantly women and there's not a lot of marriages in my family. And that's because a lot of the women in my family are very strong women. Not saying that the men in my family aren't strong black men, but they were all raised by a single black woman. And, you know, that it's like a it's a it's a cycle that continues to kind of repeat itself. And I'm all about breaking cycles and breaking stereotypes, as well as educating my my fellow, not just family members, but my fellow black people on things that they need to know in order to walk them. this earth every day with your head held high and with the knowledge in your mind to know that like Martine said, can't nobody, can't nobody trick me out of my spot. So with that, I'm gonna leave y'all with that. Happy Black History Month. Yes, it's the last day. So that means go eat at a black business, go buy something from a black business or retweet or post something about your culture and celebrate it all the way to the end of the year until we back to February next month celebrate your culture and where you've come from every single day and have black girl magic black power and I hope y'all enjoy this episode definitely leave comment share 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 also that brings me on the topic of supporting black businesses, support black films too. I am producing a film called Lightheart that we, we shoot in April, and we need donations, people. It is not cheap to put on a film, especially not a fantasy film, because we have a lot of graphics and special effects that need to be done and created, and that costs money. So, if you support me and you support What's the Tiff, support what I'm working on, which is Lightheart, go follow the Facebook page at LightheartTheFilm and follow the IG page, as well as go to the GoFundMe page and donate. It could be a dollar, it could be five, just support because without the support, we can't have more representation, and representation matters, and we're the film is young black girls carrying the light, their black girl magic to defeat the darkness that is approaching them from every ways of society. So definitely support, you know? And if you can't donate, at least share our Facebook page and just stay up to date. I will definitely be keeping you guys up to date, but support representation because it matters. And shout out to all the black Oscar winners, like... Spike Lee finally won one, and I say finally, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about him winning one, because they're like, well, he m- wasn't Oscar worthy, but it's not even him, his stories being aesthetically that pleasing to the Academy, it's the, the, the discussion his work created, and what it showcased of the black community, and of the Latin community, like... All his works of art were just that, works of art that deserved to be acknowledged and celebrated. So I'm happy that he finally won an Oscar. Um, I'm happy Regina King finally got an Oscar. Uh, We finally got a black woman costume designer to win an Oscar. And she, if you didn't know, Ruth also was a costume designer for Malcolm X. But yeah, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a love y'all, and I'm going to leave y'all, and thanks for tuning in again to What's the Tape.
9: I was born by the river In a little tent Oh, and just like the river I've been running Ever since It's been a long
0: Life, I has to fight, nigga. All's my life, I hard times like, yeah, bad trips like, yeah, Nazareth. I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright, all right, all right. nigga. We gon' be alright, nigga. We gon' be alright, we gon' be alright.